How are we doing? Man, wasn't worship good this morning? Where's, where's Maria? Is she still in the room? That was incredible. I loved you just going. There you go, Maria. Can we give Maria a hand and the whole team a hand? Man, just stirring up our affections for Jesus. Well, uh, my name is Joe Polino. I serve as lead pastor here. I'm excited to get to share God's word with you. Um, but we, uh, the way I want to begin the sermon is actually to introduce to you Maxwell Owen. Maxwell, can you come on up? Maxwell, he's my uh, friend. He's also on our worship team. He's a life group leader. And actually, uh, he played soccer uh, at my brother's 30th birthday party. Happy birthday, bro. Uh, And he scored how many goals yesterday did you score? Three goals. Come on. Come on. You got the hat trick. Um, But I'm inviting Maxwell up here because he's going to read our scripture for the day. We did this over Christmas, and I kind of liked introducing uh, new people and having um, them read the word of the day. And so he's going to read it to get us kicked off. All right, this is Matthew 11, 25 through 30. If we can get that on screen. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Maxwell. About a month ago, uh, I was at home working in my office, and it was towards the end of the week, and I was feeling stressed. I was feeling stressed because I was working on projects for the next year, and uh, I wanted to get all my tasks done in time so that I could be present that weekend with my family. And uh, it was not working. I felt stuck. I, 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 the projects I working on, the vision, it just wasn't coming. And it wasn't like I had procrastinated. It was like I had been spending multiple hours searching for what is this thing that you want us to, to do. And, and, and so I, I feel, uh, so I was praying about it a lot, but in that moment of anxiety, uh, I just remember very clearly I was in my office and I felt like the Lord whispered to my soul, uh, these three words, come to me come to me. And so I'm like, that sounds biblical. <laughs> come to me. I hear, I know that's, that's in several places in the Bible. And so I was like, okay, God, yes. I'm sorry. I should come to you. I, but I have been praying about this a lot. And uh, it would be nice if I could get this done. My kids are actually about to wake up from a nap and work is actually officially done then, not at five. It's whenever they get up. And so I felt stressed. And then I just felt like the Lord again prompted me to listen and say, come to me, come to me. And I said, but Lord, like, I just have not been present with my kids over the weekend and I'm feeling stressed. And at the same time, I don't want to cut corners in order to lead the church well. And I just feel like I'm not doing a good job. And I just felt like the Lord said again, Joe, come to me. And just in that repeated invitation, I eventually did just kind of put myself to the side. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to come to you. What do you have for me to receive? What do you have? And as I was doing that, I, I looked up this passage that we just read and some other passages, 
And as I was doing that, I did not receive divine inspiration for the question I was asking. My kids did not miraculously sleep in longer during nap time. They woke up just on time, if not early. But there was a difference in my soul. I felt a lightness come into the room. And I didn't know what was going to be the, the finished product of my task, but I felt like the Lord was here and I was with him. And he was lifting the things that needed to be lifted in my soul. And that is really what I'm hoping as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we would all experience. Because we all get weary and burdened from time to time, don't we? I was uh, trying to do, you know, two birds with one stone. I was asking my wife, I was like, honey, what do you feel burdened or weary by lately? I was like, this would be great. I'll get to practice some of my sermon and I get to care for my wife. And so she said, I actually feel pretty great. I feel pretty light. Like, I don't, I don't, I was just like, great. Yes, this sermon is going to be awesome. I've really nailed the pastoral needs in my house and probably in the church. No, but I asked her some more. I was like, okay, well, great. You're feeling encouraged. Praise God. Like, tell me more. Tell me more about that. And she said, well, yeah, I can, I can always find something to, you know, kind of take on myself. But I, I will say that recently, over the past few weeks, there have been answers to prayer. There have been encouragement. There have been things that God's done. And I'm actually feeling pretty light right now. So I'm like, that might be you this morning. You might be coming in and you are... The glass is half full. I have a living hope in Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you're just kind of like, I'm on a hilltop. I'm ready to go, 2024. And you're excited. And if that's where you're at, praise God. And in those moments, we still come to Jesus to give him glory and praise as the source of our joy, as a source of our hope. And when we do come into a place of need or burden, we know to come to him. And we have that holy habit, that muscle memory Donnie was talking about, in. Amen? But I also know in this room, there are people coming in that you might be coming in more heavy. Maybe you're like me. Maybe there's work-related stress or tasks that you just feel like, I can't get it done, or I can't do enough, or I don't know how to, uh, how to accomplish what's in my heart to accomplish. Or maybe it's just stress involved with the overwork in our culture of feeling if I don't sacrifice my life, my time at the altar of work, I won't get the promotion that I can, that, that I'm wanting to get. I won't get the job I want to get. Maybe I won't be as good as so-and-so. You have comparison creeping in. And it's not just a problem, you know, in our culture, it's actually growing around the world. Uh, in 1970s, there's a, uh, a, a social condition called Karoshi, in Japan that is actually uh, translated death by overwork. Death by overwork. And it's actually a social problem that happened in Japan, but then it's spreading worldwide where people are going all in on their jobs and they are exhausted, absolutely exhausted. I think we have a picture of, uh, of uh, some guys just falling asleep on the train, just working 80-hour weeks. Maybe that's something that you either feel tempted by in order to get ahead, or maybe it's a, 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 uh, a burden that you're carrying, or maybe that's not you. Maybe your burden is actually more relational in nature. Maybe it's more of an estranged relationship, uh, a, a tension. You know, I think about sometimes that tension or that family dysfunction can make for a good drama 
or good news headlines. I think about the royal family, uh, just how much we're kind of engrossed by that. It kind of makes us feel a little bit better about our lives. But if you think about it, like those issues of siblings and family and estrangement and or friend related or, you know, those things are sometimes the heaviest things that weigh down our hearts. And we need to come to Jesus in that. Or maybe it's just distraction. Maybe there's disappointment in your life and you wish, hey, I hoped that at this point in my life, I would be further along or I would be at this place or fill in the blank, whatever that is. And so I I enjoy a good show. I enjoy watching sports. I enjoy a good distraction. But sometimes all the distraction, kind of like you're feeling in the middle of Times Square, can just leave you busy, 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 busy. But then when you get into your show hole or you get done with your show and you're like, what do I do now? You realize that the hole in your soul is still there waiting for you. So what do we do with that? What solutions do we have there? Again, Jesus says, not that those things are necessarily bad. Some of the the things are, depending on what it is. But Jesus says, come to me to find rest. Amen? And then lastly, you know, I just thought about maybe there's just global concern, concern for others or local concern, the poor, the homeless, and you just feel like you're Atlas with the whole world on your shoulders and you want to be engaged. You want to help and you are praying for Gaza. You are praying for Ukraine. You are praying for human trafficking. You are praying against racism and the evils of what you're, you're praying, but you're like, Lord, what do I do with this? I'm, I feel so overwhelmed with this burden. What do I do? And he says in this, come to me. And there's a redemptive work for us to do with me. So I really believe that just during this fast over these next four Sundays and three weeks that God has something for each of us and for us as the church as we come to him collectively. So let's do that together and let's come to him and read this verse again in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. So this is what Jesus says to the crowds. I just want to just you to imagine like he's saying it, like you're a part of the crowd. You are in the crowd and he's saying it to you is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I pray that you would help us to internalize this and you would speak to us this morning. Amen. So what is Jesus saying? I'm going to just highlight a few things. The first thing I will say is Jesus is inviting us into relationship with God. That's what he's inviting us, into relationship with God. So who is Jesus talking about? What's the context surrounding this passage? Well, as he's inviting us to relationship with God, he is, it says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse one, it says that Jesus, well, after he got done talking to his disciples, he finished instructing them. It said that he went on from there to teach and preach in towns of Galilee. Now, Galilee is the region where he grew up in Nazareth. 
So he's very familiar with these towns in Galilee. And as he's preaching and teaching, some of John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they have a question for him. They said, John wants to know, are you the one who we've been waiting for or is there another that's coming? Because at this time, John the Baptist is in prison and he's not able to see what's going on. And so he's wanting to make sure, hey cousin, are you the one or is there someone else? And so I imagine, I just, there's something about that that's encouraging to me because John knew Jesus was the one. He did. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But he was discouraged by his circumstances. And so he just said, can you just send word to Jesus? Are you the one? And this is what Jesus says to him in Matthew 11, five through six. This is stunning. He said, Jesus said to John's, uh, to, to the people who were gonna go and report back to John the Baptist. He said, tell him this. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So he says, this is what's happening. And yes, I am the one. And then he goes on to tell some, wo- some woes and some warnings. Okay, so we had kind of come to me all who are weary. It's kind of like the sweet ice cream Jesus. But then we have the truth speaking. Jesus is gentle and humble of heart, but he is not weak or timid and he's loving. And so he speaks the truth in love. So he gives woes and warnings to this generation because he starts talking about John the Baptist. And he said, what did you go out in the desert to see with John the Baptist? What did you see? And he, he just says, greater was uh, no one born of a woman is greater than John the Baptist. And yet in the kingdom of God, the, the least of these shall be greater. And then he says, you, this generation, when John the Baptist came, he came fasting and he was wearing camel skin and he was in the desert, but you said, John has a demon. Then when I come, I come eating and drinking. And you say, Jesus is a glutton and that he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And basically what he's saying is this generation is like bratty children that no matter how you come, they're always gonna find fault with it. And you're missing it. You're missing the kingdom of God. You're missing me. You're missing the salvation that some of you have prayed for and dedicated your life to study the Torah and the law. You're missing it, woe to you. And he doesn't stop there. He says, woe to these towns that these miracles that I just described were done, if these miracles were done in, the, in some of the historically worst cities that uh, like Sodom and Tyr and Sodom, if they were done there, they would have repented in sackcloth and ash. But you, you have missed it. You are missing the kingdom of God. Wake up, wake up. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And then he says this in verse 25, which is what Maxwell started with. He said, at that time, Jesus praised this prayer out loud and says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And so I just share this to exhort us and lead us as a church to not miss it. And the ironic thing is that the wise and the learned were those who were, quote, experts in the things of God. And yet in their pride, they completely missed it. And the people who were ignorant 
but curious and humble were actually, they became the disciples. They became students being taught like little children. And it reminded me of, um, of my son, Noble, picking up flowers as we're going on walks. It's the cutest thing, uh, as long as it's not like a neighbor's flower bed. It's a very cute thing because he's getting flowers for me or for his mom, and he's picking up flowers, and he's just in awe, even if they're like dandelion flowers. I'm like, that's actually, you know, a weed. Um, but he thinks it's just amazing, and he's, he's, he's offering it up, and, and just all the questions that kids ask, they're really hungry to know why things are the way they are. As we were driving in this morning, uh, my six-year-old was like, God, uh, does, does God paint things? Like, did, 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 is he painting things in the sky? And, and so we talked about that. We talked about colors. We talked about creation. We th- and it's just the way that the kids come to their parents to ask questions. That's how we're to come to the Lord. Not with the answers necessarily, but to come to him as the answer and to learn from him. That's how we come. And then he goes on from there in verse 27, as he's praying, he says, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and to those whom the son chooses to reveal him. Now, if you want to say something that makes you sound crazy, that would be something right there. That would be something that in those days in Jewish culture, that's blasphemy that you would be stoned for. No one knows God the Father except you and the Father and, and those who you choose to reveal himself to. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis's uh, quote of just saying, Jesus did not leave room for us to think that he was just a good moral teacher or an influential man. Because someone who would say something like this is either on the level of a, of a lunatic that says he is a poached egg, which I think is a very English thing to say. <laughs> but he said he's on the same level as a lunatic who would say that he's a poached egg, or he is a liar and a devil that we can spit on and kill, or he is Lord that we need to worship. He did not leave room for us to say he's a good moral teacher. We must decide. This is what he said. And just, it reminds me of when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door. That as you see Jesus, he reveals the Father. And as you see, the, as you get to know the Father, you realize that he and Jesus are the same. And he helps us enter into relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's incredible. It's amazing. This is what Jesus is offering when he says, come to me. It's different. It's different than thinking about, you know, our pragmatic ways of here's 10 steps to find rest in your life. He didn't give 10 steps. You think about even other religions, like Buddha said, there's a fourfold enlightenment path you must follow, or the five pillars of Islam. Jesus says the first step is not to do that stuff, it's to come to me. Come to me. Come to me. So who is Jesus revealing God the Father to? Because it says, it says Jesus was revealing the Father to those he chooses. Who is he choosing to reveal it to? Come to me, all you. Say all. All you who are weary 
and burden and I will give you rest. He, this, this passage does not mean that there's a secret hidden knowledge that he's just passing out to certain people. He's talking about the nature of the kingdom is such that it is announced to everyone, but only those who come like little children see it. It's given to all who are weary and burdened. All those who are heavy laden come and I will give you rest. So practically, what do we do with this? How do we, what does this look like? And for me in my office, as I was standing there, or I was sitting there rather, just burdened by, you know, just a normal Thursday. It wasn't even like a crisis. It was just like work. And I was like, Lord, help me. As I was, I was, I was sitting there, I just, I was reading this passage and then I felt like the Lord said, look, you know, reminded me of Revelation 1, where it says his eyes are like fire. And it says this in Revelation 1 about Jesus. It says the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he had seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid for I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death in Hades. Only in Jesus do we see both accessibility and humility with glory intermingled? And so as I was just sitting there and like, okay, Lord, I want to see your eyes like fire. I felt like there was, as I was just using my imagination, like I was feeling lifted. I was feeling changed as I was taking in his glory. And so meditating on these things, using your imagination, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal them and coming like little children, believe God's going to lift burdens. Amen? So when we come to Jesus, he's the one inviting us to relationship with God, but he's also inviting us to rest for our souls, rest for our souls. And so he says, and come to me all who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But it goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, which is kind of, I wonder if Jesus is just smiling a bit when he says this, because if, he say, if someone would say, hey, come on in, put your feet up, take my yoke, relax. It would be a little bit of a, of a juke, you know, a little bit of a curveball because I would think, come and take a seat in my most comfy chair. Come and recline, come and put your feet up. But instead he gives a yoke, take my yoke upon you. This is the way that Jesus gives rest is a yoke. And for uh, pretty much all of us who don't live in agricultural society, uh, when we hear yoke, we normally think egg yoke, which is Y-O-L-K, but this is talking about the wooden cross piece that would be put over farm animals and then attached to a plow or a cart for them to pull, till the soil. We have a picture of some, some oxen up there. And this yoke is a metaphor for, the, uh, for one person coming up under in submission to another. What they would do, I'm told, is that farmers would pair the older ox with a younger ox to show them how to pull, how to uh, keep in pace, how to hear the farmer's instruction. And so it's a, it's a metaphor for submission to a teacher or their teachings. And what Jesus is saying, all you who are weary and burdened are carrying yokes that are impossible to pull. 
You, the cart that the Pharisees, the religious leaders have put up, you couldn't even meet the Ten Commandments. They're adding on more traditions and things for you to follow, and they're not doing a thing to lift a finger to help you with it. So it's kind of like you're in a yoke that's impossible to pull, and you have no one paired with you. And Jesus says, come to me, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, and then you will find rest for your souls. Notice he does not say, then you will find success. Then you will find a charm life. Then you will find comfort. Then you will find the things that you're praying for just kind of all happening in the way that you want them to happen. He says, you will find rest for your souls. And he's actually fulfilling an Old Testament scripture. I didn't even know this until I started studying it in Jeremiah 6. In Jeremiah 6, it's, this is what the prophet Jeremiah said. He said, this is what the Lord st- says. Stand at the crossroads and look for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But the people at the time, they said, we will not walk in it. So in this picture, Jesus is saying, imagine you're standing at a crossroads, forks in the road, and where do I go? Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. He is saying, I am the good way. I am the, I am the ancient of days. That's one of the things that we sung this morning. I am the ancient path. I am who I am. Come to me. I'm getting goosebumps just even thinking about that. He, they, they knew what he was saying for those who were experts in the law. He was saying, rest for your souls. Huh, that sounds familiar. Jesus was saying, I am. I am that fulfillment. So how do we practically come, fo- come, come in the 21 days of prayer and fasting? I want all of us every single day to examine the yoke that we are walking in. Examine the yoke that you're walking in because we all have burdens or things that we're carrying. So for me, I just, what are the yokes that I'm walking in that are religious performance or are yokes to the world? And here are three that I have been carrying that I'm like, Lord, I want these to be, I want to learn from you how not to walk in these. So one is performance. Man, if I was a better leader, that was really the root of my anxiety at the beginning was the fact that I felt like I was failing as a leader in the home or leader in the church. And that yoke of performance, it can always be better. It can always, you know, just that yoke will always say never enough. And Jesus said, give it to me. Take, come to me. That's what he was trying to let me, that was, that's what I think he was trying to uh, relieve me of, was that performance yoke. Then that gets into comparison. I'll never be as good as so-and-so, but at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That seesaw will never end, and it won't bring satisfaction. It won't bring rest. That's a yoke. The other one is worry. You know, I'm good now, but what about tomorrow? What about... What if this happens? You know, I have what I need today, but I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't, you know, and you have that yoke of worry and you can always find something to worry about. It's not going to give you rest for your soul. There's some other examples in your booklets that just for sake of time, we'll throw them up on the screen real quick, but there are ways of the world on one side and then the ways of Jesus on the other. So just to use the ones like comparison, you know, instead, he says, you actually are freed up with the rest of your souls to actually honor someone who, you know what, you're not going to be as good as so-and-so at that thing. But 
give value to them and honor them and, and, and as, especially in the believer's body of Christ. Like, we're not made to be everything to everybody. Like, we need each other, right? So honor and then, uh, you know, just on and on with, uh, you know, cynicism of just feeling like I can only trust, you know, myself, right? I don't have the ability to have joy. In the way of Jesus, you're like, I have, I have faith. I have joy. I can walk in that, uh, in that opposite spirit. And so there's lots of examples. I'm just going to leave it there to trust the Holy Spirit over the next 21 days to speak to us. And so, um, so just Jesus is inviting us to examine our yoke. And we're actually going to do that to close in just a minute. Just what are the burdens that I'm carrying stepping in to today and to this fast? So this is the last point. The last thing I'll say is that Jesus invites us to come to him Number one, relationship with God. That's what he's inviting us to. And really, that's, that's the most important thing. But the second thing he's offering is rest for our souls. And the third is the yoke is meant for work. That there is a redemptive work, a restorative work that he's inviting us into to do together. Work was there in the Garden of Eden before sin entered, before the fall. There is a redemptive work that God is doing that he's inviting us into individually and collectively. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. And so just to give us, paint a picture, how are we going to do this together? So if you've never uh, done this with us before, this booklet that I have, that, I, that we put together, we really tried to be thorough just to explain, okay, what what does it look like for me to examine my yoke? What does it look like for me to, um, to, to walk with Jesus? And, and if you've never fasted before, uh, on our website, we have a, a deeper dive uh, resource called Encountering God Through Fasting. But here's what I'll say simply this, is that we want to encourage you to take a step. Take, take, to challenge you, to encourage you to take a step and come to Jesus by laying aside something you would normally consume, which is not necessarily bad, to be filled up by God instead. So laying aside media, laying aside food, laying aside non-essential spending, and to be filled up by God. It's kind of considered a holy experiment, if you will, for the next 21 days for your own soul. So here's how we're going to fast. For the next 21 days, as we were praying about this as a staff, we, we just felt led that we're going to go for these three things. Number one is that we're going to fast from non-essential media for the next 21 days. We encourage you to participate in whatever way you feel like the Lord's leading you. So if you're a student or you're, or, or you're, uh, you know, and your teacher emails you, don't ignore the teacher email or the boss, you know, phone call. But maybe lay aside that evening show or lay aside following that sports team, which I'm believing for the Cowboys to be at the Super Bowl at the end of this fast. I'm a big cowboy friend. This is a sacrifice. That's the thing. Fasting is not comfortable. It's not. And please, grace, if you, you know, you're like, hey, that's an essential thing. It's not non-essential. Whatever that is, there's grace. But in that, I just want to encourage all of us to take a step and to lean in. And just for family, you know, with I, I help our kids to participate at a level they can they can take in. It's better that we have a little success than go big and like fail. So if it's like, hey, we're going to take afternoons to fast from shows and we'll kind of wean our kids off depending on where we're at, or we go the whole time and we realize, wow, like our kids actually 
are doing well. Whatever that is, participate as a church. So we're going to fast from media and fill up on Jesus. We're going to fast from food in some way on week two. So this, so starting tomorrow, we're starting the media, and that's going to go all the way through. Then the next week, just fasting from food in some way. We'll talk more about that next week. And then the last week is from non-essential spending. Just realize that spending and buying things it can be a way that we uh, find our happiness or it can be an idol. And we instead want to encourage contentment and thankfulness and even generosity for what we aren't spending to those in need. Amen? So that's how we're going to fast. But we don't just fast. We fill ourselves up with something that we're putting aside. So how are we going to fill ourselves up? Two, two, well, three main ways. Number one, we have morning prayer time. So in this booklet is a devotional that follows the acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y. And it's pause and be still. We want to read scripture. We want to ask God. There's a, there's a question in there, but ask God about that scripture. And then there's a yield prayer. And this is the prayer that I am praying would be really impactful for our church. And it's this yield prayer of every day saying, Jesus, I come to you today with my burden of fill in the blank, and I receive your light and easy yoke and commit to walk with you today. And just as we say that, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to bring up things that we need to come to Jesus with and receive his light and easy yoke. So that's the morning. And then we're going to do evening. Evening. Evening prayer is a variation of something called prayer of examine. This has been happening for centuries, and it's helped believers come to the end of long, complicated days to recenter their minds on Jesus. And we're following an acronym that Pete Gregg uses, which is simple, more modern language. It's not like, what are the consolations and desolations of your soul? It's more like, okay, we're just going to follow these four R's, all right? So that is number one, replay your day. What was your day like? What, was, what brought you joy? What was hard? Uh, what made you anxious? Just replay your day. And then the second R, we're going to rejoice. Give thanks to God for your day. And then repent. Was there any place that you acted in an unchristlike way? God, I'm sorry. Receive his forgiveness afresh. And then reboot. Jesus, thank you for today. I commit to walking with you tomorrow. And that prayer, I believe, you can do that in... 30 seconds or 30 minutes. And it will really, I think, bear fruit, not just in this fast, but ongoing. And the last thing I'll say as the band can come on up is just community. You know, Jesus said when you're fasting in Matthew 6 to, to fast in secret, to pray in secret, and there's a type of fasting that you don't tell anybody that you're doing. But there's also biblical examples of the whole nation fasting and everyone coming together. And, and so that's what we're doing. There might be some private things that you have between you and the Lord, but uh, really my encouragement is since we're all doing this together, is that one of the means of grace that God wants to breathe is through other people. And so as we're coming together in community, we want to ask each other, how can I be praying for you during this fast? Is there a burden that you feel like the Holy Spirit's highlighting and, or, or is there a place of breakthrough that you need. And just Galatians 6.2 says that we fulfill the law of Christ by carrying one another's burdens. So that's what we want to do. We want to carry one another's burdens. So that's where we're going. Are you guys ready to do it? Okay. Uh, the collective woo, I'll take that as a yes. But take the booklet, and we're going to get started tomorrow. Uh, and um, 
And just as we close again, just I believe that the Lord has something special here for us. So I just want to invite you to stand in the prayer and prophetic team to come on up um, just for people who uh, want to receive prayer. And I actually want to invite up Noah as well. Give a hand for Noah Thatcher. So Noah's on the worship team um, and, he, and we were praying ahead of time and he just felt like God gave him um, uh, an illustration from his daughter that I feel like it could uh, resonate with more than just him about when we come to the Lord that there are things that he knows what to do that sometimes we don't know what to do with. So Noah, take it away. Thank you. Yeah, so we were praying this morning uh, in our kind of pre-service gathering and uh, Joe was just kind of opening uh, the floor for us to just um, just hear from him. And I was, as we were praying, was just thinking about uh, my daughter, our daughter, uh, Ellie, has a cerebral palsy. And one of the ways that that impacts her is um, she, she when she gets stressed or really tired or her um, fist is just really closed. It's hard for her to kind of open her hand up. And um, we've been aware of this. And, and we had an appointment a while back. Uh, and one of our doctors said, hey, there's this little trick that if you, if you bend her wrist forward, like her hand will open up. It's just kind of a reflex that, that we have in us. But, but for Ellie, like she can't, there, there's those times when she can't open her fist. Like there's just nothing that she could do on her own power or that she's kind of capable of because of the way her brain is interacting with her hand at that moment. Like she can't open it. Um, but with our direction, like with our help, like she's able to open her hand uh, and just kind of getting that and just thinking through that as we come into this fast. And I know like last year was that drop the oars kind of picture. And as we're coming into this fast with the burdens and uh, an easy yoke, just that like, okay, what what's the thing I'm holding on to? What's the thing that I can't seem to let go of? And there's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, and like, if we could just come to the Lord and let him, whatever that little trick may be, and, and not that it's a gimmick or not that he has some magic, but just that, that he knows you uh, and he knows how, how we function, um, how we act. And so there may just be something that he can unlock in you uh, that you didn't even know was possible. So just kind of like praying that as we come into this season of fasting and as we're thinking about our fists and like how can we open our hands, like maybe you can't. You know, maybe you can't open your hands in this specific area. Maybe it, it truly does feel impossible, but to believe that like maybe, maybe God uh, might have something for you. So, yeah. I just want to make room for you to come to Jesus, whatever that looks like. There are men and women up here ready to pray with you. Maybe that is a step, but whatever it is, just want to make room for us to respond. I love what Noah said that we might not know how to, let go of this thing, but as we come to him, trusting the great physician that he knows how to do that. So just pray with me. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you that you speak to us and you still speak, come to me. I pray that you would uh, put on your light and easy yoke in place of um, just whatever things that we're carrying that are not of you. I pray this in Jesus' name.